Guardadores. A dedicated dad and long-distance parent, I'm raising two boys in two countries, and in each episode, I invite another dad to join me in a podcast adventure to talk about our journey as parents. We will discuss the messiness of modern dadding and the challenges of long-distance parenting. At the end of each episode, I will be checking in with psychologist and fellow dad Todd Kettner as he shares his insights into parenthood. My name is Blue, and I am a Dad Without Borders. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Dad Without Borders. After an extended summer break, because my son, who lives in the UK, who's eight years old now, he finally made it back to Canada, to his home here, and after probably almost nine months, so I really soaked up every minute that I could with him. And yeah, he's now back in the UK uh, at school and he w- we're living with his mum and he'll be back at Christmas time. So now a chance to dive back into the podcast world. And I'm really excited to have some great conversations pre-recorded, ready to release. And I have a great lineup of dads for the next few weeks. So today we have Seth, who is the Nelson Tiny Homes Builder, and he has, I think, over 40,000 followers on YouTube. So go check out Nelson Tiny Homes on YouTube. He has a great show. And yeah, a really honest and open-hearted conversation with Seth, talking about all aspects of being a dad. And in particular, being a business owner and someone who is working hard to create the best lifestyle he can for his kids and the challenges that come with that. So please enjoy Seth, the Nelson Tiny Homes Builder. You know, let's just see. It seems like the recordings, um, the sound is good. We'll just put, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I thought it'd be fun. I kind of like the idea that you're in your truck. Um, yeah, I can even show you like how messy it is. Like it's you really are living in your truck. Ah, uh, yeah, it's a disaster. <laughs> Unlike your life, which is not a disaster. No, everything's um, totally under control there. So yeah. <laughs> hey, seriously though, thanks, thanks for reaching out and being up for this. This is really great to have you on the podcast. No, I, I'm very excited, and congratulations on making it happen. It's it's awesome. Thanks, man. I feel like I'm coming, you know, because you're someone I see, and I hope I'm right on this. Don't, don't let me down here. But as someone who is, is fulfilling their passion, you're doing something you really care about. And that's not to say that I haven't been doing that because I have generally been inspired by the work I've been doing. But this is really nice for me to have a project like this because it is something I really care about and I am passionate about. I am super passionate about what i do and and luckily um you know i i the passion hasn't been totally fizzled out by all the bureaucracy and uh, business stuff that i have to deal with to keep it all you know keep it all going um so let's give a shout out to what you do do so you're a tiny homes builder um Mm -hmm. and contractor in nelson bc 
And is that happening all on your property as well? Because your property, home, it's, business, kids, I mean, everything, the family, everything's wrapped into one spot, is it not? No, it's its separate. We're in, we're like on the other side of town. We're The shop is in Blewett. And then our house is kind of up above Nelson in Mountain Station. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So you're a 10 minute drive or so from, from the woods. Which is right? kind of perfect because it's, it's, it's a little bit too far just to like run home for anything. So I, I don't really go home during the day at all. Right. Because so, then I get, I get stuck. Home is kind of like a spider web or something. No doubt. Well, you're, well let's introduce the family, um, you know, as this is about dad. So who's, who are the family? Well, my wife is Katie, uh, and we've been together for a while, 15, maybe 15 years. Um, and we've got two kids. We've got a boy, Asher, who's 11, and a girl, June, who is seven. Um, yeah, so that- I should tell you, just, just, to, uh, just so we all know, um, my memory is really, anybody who knows me knows my memory is quite bad. <laughs> so when I say certain things, I'm, I'm pretty sure the 11 years old and the seven year old is right. But as far as like other dates. <laughs> okay, uh, can I just check you because you're not sure about 15 years or not? Do you know the anniversary date? It's yeah, yeah. Okay, it's don't tell Sept- me. It's, it's right. in September. I, I don't need to tell okay, you. Okay, exactly, just, right? just checking, just checking. <laughs> don't get you in trouble during the podcast here um Uh, yeah i'm not i'm not good with with dates um or or memories of really any kind (laughs) but you know how to swing a hammer and that's what counts yeah and in a way like that my you know i think that helps me be a good builder in some way because i i'm not i even forget how to do how to build things but when you forget things shall i edit that out it, it, it kind of like it, it allows for things to evolve in a way. Your life, which I'm interested to ask you about, your life before kids and family and business was freewheeling. Now, you can correct me here, but I think it was freewheeling, from what I understand, traveling the world, barefoot, carefree, if you like. Um, and then uh, you've gone to a business and two kids, and it's all kind of wrapped up, you know, in you know, I think at the start, you, the business, the property, the home and everything did mm-hmm. all of that sudden, was that a sudden shift to having kids? Did you have kids at that stage when you set the business? Yeah, it all, it all definitely happened at once. I, I was trying to think of a good uh, image uh, to describe that period. And the best I could come up with was, it was kind of like, you know, for like 10 years, I was kind of like wading around, like, like swimming around in a, in a, a pool or something and then all of a sudden i got thrown into the middle of the ocean or something where the waves <laughs> were kind of going up over my head quite a bit did the kid come first did you guys just decide yeah. hey let's no there was and... no <laughs> yeah there was very little um intention um sadly uh yeah it all it all it all started with with getting pregnant Right. And then the home and then the business. Yeah. Yeah. The waterfall. Sounds like you went over the waterfall probably into the ocean. Yeah. It's like kind of being thrown into adulthood in a way. Yeah. And I still feel like I'm kind of just pretending to be an adult. (laughs) I don't know if that ever goes away. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, 
but you've you are you are the the go-to guy in nelson so in this area i mean i don't know how wide your region spreads in terms of tiny homes but i mean you've certainly made what i see as successful business seth is actually at work in his truck on a work site um don't don't be surprised if i eat some of my lunch while we're doing this. hey that's just how how it's go i like it messy hair sandwiches hanging out of your beard that's all good um okay no, no i think we're good i i'm i'm plugged in now <laughs> perfect uh but yes and we should say too i just want to mention that katie i don't know if this was from the start but katie sort of helps with the books and that kind of side of things uh no definitely not it, oh it, she uh, doesn't like, well no she does now um we but we both like or, yeah we both kind of run from that sort of thing naturally <laughs> um and and she does help she helps with the books now but um and luckily yeah things are a bit more organized now but for a good i would say eight years it was all just um just a mess really yeah so katie's obviously being mum at this point as well and yeah. holding she's, down holding down the fort she's definitely the the, the parent um which is which is good she's a good parent where and you so and you guys very much came into this journey together because beforehand you met overseas while you were both living overseas is that right yeah yeah exactly we, we met in thailand like a year had gone by and then we had a bit of a reunion in in spain with some a couple other guys that we met on that in thailand on that little island uh, and that's when we kind of started dating a bit but it was more, I think I just came to her, I just came to her flat in Barcelona and just didn't leave. That's, that's kind of what happened. <laughs> did you guys live that lifestyle for a while together? Like traveling seasonally? And... Yeah, I think like four or five years we, we did that. Like we lived a year together in Barcelona and then she really wanted to leave. She had been there for four years already. She wanted to come back to North America, and I really didn't want to. She found Nelson, and then uh, I eventually followed her here. Yeah, and then, well, even after we moved here, we managed to do it. I think for like three or four more years, we, we'd spend summers in Nelson and then go traveling, because um, neither of us really enjoy winter very much. Right. And so we would go traveling during the winter and then come back here in the summer. And at one point, we even we tried moving down to North Carolina. Yeah. Um, but then we got pregnant during that time. And so that adjustment to, you know, you're pregnant and now you're going to, you know, establish your home on Mountain Station um, or wherever you were at the time. Do you think it did it? Was it easier for you guys to adjust as parents? I was wondering this. I, I feel like we both actually were. Um, pretty ready to to be parents and to have that be you know the main focus in life just because we did goof off for so many years um you know in that sense it, it kind of prepared us to to be really content just not going anywhere and really just focusing on 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 babies yeah. uh, 
yeah, it it didn't prepare us for like the financial, um, you know, stresses that come with that at all, you know. Um, and that I, you know, of course, I regret. I kind of wish that we, you know, figured some of that out before we had kids. Um, but I do think that Katie, uh, yeah, like my wife, and I feel super lucky because I seems like you don't really know. You may know your partner pretty well and and think you know yourself pretty well but but kids having kids really brings out things or at least for me it brought uh things out that i didn't even know were in me you know i i don't think i ever even really got angry before or or really you know i i just feel like having kids it it takes you know unless unless you're you're living already kind of fully uh i don't know aware or something awake or for me it just it it took my emotions and definitely broadened the spectrum of of how you know how far i can go in 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 all directions um which i think is a good thing you know like even if it does come with a lot of frustration and anger and kind of more you know emotions that are seen as being negative um yeah my yeah my mother i was just brought up by a single mom and um and she yeah she didn't have she wasn't uh she didn't have a very broad spectrum of emotion that she showed to me and you know i think that i i kind of went through life that same way just kind of keep trying to keep things positive when when you know maybe it's being forced a bit um and other emotions are being uh, repressed when it's probably healthier to to let let them out in in a healthy way of course yeah yeah did you have siblings as well or was it just you and your mom i had a brother but he was 8 years older and, and he really grew up um kind of on his own in a way and so when he was a teenager he he might as well have been in his 20s uh he was that kind of person right and so he was actually my main my main parent figure was my older brother uh, my mom was just kind of a well i shouldn't say just but she was you know quite the the hippie and just let me do whatever i wanted to do zero boundaries and my brother was the one that was like, yeah, you, you got to do your homework and you got to clean up after yourself. And yeah, kind of gave me a bit of guidance. But he also, you know, he didn't give me, I, I definitely had no guidance in, in how to be in a, a healthy, emotional human. And I, I feel like most people can relate to that. Like most people, especially don't have fathers who who are able to really you know, express, especially sadness and, and like tenderness and vulnerableness, if that's a word. I feel like it's one of the biggest missing ingredients in, in probably most family lives. I think it's, I, feel, I don't know about you, but I feel like it's shifting now. And I feel like our generation is addressing some of those things now. Not everybody, but I think there is, it seems to be a little bit of a wave happening of a lot of dads wanting to connect and trying to work on it and being frustrated as well in doing that work. And it's not easy. Uh, it's been really interesting talking to some of the dads recently too. Like it's definitely a theme 
I think that's true, but we're also we're in such a little bubble in the Kootenays in British Columbia, um, where that's probably even a bit more concentrated, maybe. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I do think you're right on that for sure. Western Canada, you know, in general, the West mm-hmm. Coast. But, yeah. But yeah, like it's definitely it's getting better. So how do you when you feel those feel like have you how have you addressed that? Like, do you talk it through with your partner or do you like what do you do to try and move forward? And Well, I mean, I feel like it's, it's a lot of, yeah, being open to, I mean, yeah, like if we could just, you know, be open to learning from our kids, how to be like kids just kind of come as, as I, I feel like, you know, they, they come quite open. Their hearts are just open, right? And they're really good at letting emotions just pour through them. And I try to, you know, I, I try, especially with my son, because I think, you know, he's a bit older and his emotions have kind of stabilized a bit. I, I grew, yeah, I grew up in a pretty harsh, a harsh community of, of uh, like a lobstering fishing village where there was just, you know, so much alcohol being consumed and there, there weren't a lot of adults living inspiring lives. That's for sure. <laughs> like i remember you know being a really open crying you know pretty freely about you know about things that were sad which are so many things in the world that should make us cry and then and then at one point just realizing if i carry on doing this i'm just going to get beat up every day and and just realizing that it's it's important to figure out how to turn that that valve off just for survival just yeah just for survival and now i feel like i i just spend my time trying to turn it back on again and it it feels like at some point it probably is gonna open up and maybe not turn off i don't know (laughs) you know just like that built up feelings and emotions but i will say i mean for anybody listening you have a beautiful family and the kids are just lovely and you seem to be doing, from my perspective, from you know when I do get to see you guys, which is not enough, that you guys are doing a really fantastic job of raising them. And one of the things that I love about what you do, and I, we, me and Sage talked about it a lot over the last couple of years, actually, because you spend so much time camping and outdoors with the family. And we've been a little bit constrained just in the last two years with a really young child that doesn't sleep very well. So the idea of going on a canoe oh. trip across a lake is just I, not I, I doable. Do. <laughs> totally. But that you're just in that that little tunnel that'll it'll end soon. Yeah, I think but we're I, ready. I, we're ready now to come out and camp and do stuff. And we've already got yeah. a camping trip planned in in about three weeks, I think. So that'll be the first one. It's really clear that your kids spend a lot of time outdoors because I've never seen from canoe coaching and outdoor education i've never seen kids so well behaved and so calm in a canoe mm. amazing but not on, only on top of that um asha your 11 year old boy amazing with the bird life like i was so in awe and humbled by his knowledge of birds and yeah i'd love for you to share like where does that come from and like because his knowledge is quite astounding is that your, is it from you? Did he learn that from I, you? No, it's, it's zero from me. Um, when, you know, since he's been maybe two or three years old, he started to become obsessed with birds. And, and I, yeah, like I also, I've always been impressed 
by other people who know birds. Yeah, but same. His own um, initiating being into birds and me just trying to encourage it. Yeah, I, I guess that I, I can take credit for that part. Um, you know, we would spend 10 or 15 minutes every other night like studying birds ever since he was probably three years old because he was yeah he was up for it and and I was up I mean it's still one of my I don't have a lot of hobbies or passions uh and that's one of maybe only two or three that I actually try to keep alive um but yeah it's it's kind of all all because of because of him really his own interest uh I mean I I do think that the fact that we've been able to, because of our circumstances, you know, the fact that Katie's home with them, it's, it's been pretty easy for us to keep media out of their lives. That's pretty great because as well, as well as that, you do a lot of camping trips, right? Like, I feel like you are the dedicated, inspired family that now, well, if I, isn't it like I feel like Katie and the, the other mom go out like so, on a Wednesday, find the campground, hold it down until until you guys can gather at the weekend. Oh, like for that sure. kind of dedication. And, and unfortunately, like yeah, like that's all, or I should say, fortunately, like that's all Katie that makes that happen. Um, like I'm hoping to get better at joining them, but I've, you know, the last ten years, I've I felt that I have to kind of work almost seven days a week um and then in the summer of course that's the, the time to make hay if you're a builder uh, or a farmer and so it's it's been you know they yeah like they they canoed the the whole of Slocan lake last summer and i didn't do any of it with them oh no way i didn't know that i was always assuming you were with them but you, well, you turned up great, later. I that's a great assumption. Like I wish. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like Katie also, she went to another another beach uh, last summer for like fourteen days straight. They stayed there. No way. Which is it's unbelievable. I mean, and that's yeah. Like I, I yeah. Well, and to go back, <laughs> I mean, just to take my life back a bit further. Um. I've, you know, I've always been into being outside and hiking and, and when I was pretty young, I hiked the Appalachian Trail and that being outside for, for that long, it was almost five months. Wow. Like that, that totally changed the direction of my life. It changed everything about me. And I do think that, yeah, obviously being out outdoors has a huge impact on children uh, and that's that's another big reason why we send our kids to the Waldorf school is they spend so much time uh, outside during the day. So that was uh, that something that you and Katie, like when you're thinking about education, it sounds like it's a really conscious choice to send them to Waldorf and something that's jointly agreed very easily, like you guys on the same wavelength, oh, that kind of approach. Yeah, 100 percent. And again, like, yeah, I feel like marriage and whether or not you're successful in your marriage, I feel like so much of it is just luck because 
you you think that you know your partner and you know how you're going to parent and you even if you've kind of discussed different you know parenting uh, ideas and and made sure you agree on all the big ones like once you have kids like i feel like so many ideas just go out the window and reality sets in and you don't really know whether or not you're going to agree with your partner anymore. Like maybe you've, you could probably talk about that just with your, your, with your first uh, partner. Like, I don't know if that was part of what happened with you guys and, and why you kind of separated and went different directions. I think it's, yeah, I think it's a really good point, actually, that you don't, you're right. You don't know how you're going to react to a kid coming into the world and what's going to change you. And I just, I think I went on a 180 from living this life of passion. And not that I'm not passionate now about my life, I've created a lifestyle very much that I've wanted. But yeah, the seasonal work, the approach to my, like the way that I had been raised and saw my parents raise me kind of just clicked in. And I think, that had a massive impact on how I wanted to be present and stable and have a routine and all of these things that I hadn't been living, hadn't been my adult life though, any of that. If I was like running from that, that to me felt like a trap. But then when it yeah. happened and I had a kid, I really felt like, no, I just, that's in, that's in me. That's just, I can't think of another way to do it. I'm going to do it the way I was raised. You had, a pretty what, stable, you had a pretty stable childhood. I had a super stable childhood as opposed to, um, you know, not in any way to throw my ex-wife under the bus. We just had a very different upbringing. So I really wanted to create, because I really had a safe, certainly for the young ages, I don't know about teenage, you know, living in a remote area, which I did, hard to believe in the UK, but agricultural yeah. kind of farming community and so by the time i was a teenager i was really bored but the early years it was really nice to have a safe nest dad was aware where everything was stable you there was no surprises at all <laughs> and i would say like like so many dads a lot of parents i feel talk about this like i don't think a lot of parents back then in the sort of like 80s say like the 80s parents the whose parents so the our grandparents were all in the in the war essentially second world war most of you know my friends so there was a lack of like emotional openness is that is that even a term emotional open, i don't know yeah you know yeah. like do you know what i mean like there wasn't it was quite a very british kind of upbringing in that sense stiff upper lip there wasn't a lot of like talking about how you feel about stuff um in the way that we all do around in this area you're right um so mm. yeah i think once the kid comes around you just yeah it's you really reflect I, on your own upbringing in a way that you haven't. Yeah. And that's kind of scary. Yeah, it brings out, it brings out, like, yeah, it really brings out all of you in a way, or, or things that you've kind of managed to repress. And it also just puts the, pre like, there's so much pressure that uh, you're kind of being put through the ringer in a way um that you just don't know how you or the other person or you as a couple are going to react to that you know that yeah. pressure well you got you can't sleep so there's that that's just that's straight up just cru oh. cru cruelty like it's that's like just torture, torture. yeah totally. so you're all sleep deprived you haven't got the freedom you had before so you yeah. and you have to communicate in a way that you have to be you know like we're getting 
not better at it. I shouldn't say that because, you know, I think we both are really enjoying right now. Well, COVID, we're not enjoying, but enjoying the stage of our kid, which is like two. But I, I keep talking, we keep talking about it. It's like, you know, we need time for us too. And it's hard to find that time. So you have to do that negotiation where you just want to just go climbing or I just want to go canoeing right now. I want to go and see Seth and have a game of tennis in Nelson or it's just tricky. And, there's and so much of it, thing. so much of it comes down to the ability to communicate what's going on. Yeah. You know, with, with your partner. And I feel like under pressure, um, most of us are pretty horrible communicators. And, and yeah, again, like I just, I didn't have that pressure before, you know, also just the financial pressure of, of feeling like I'm not making enough money for us to live the way we want to live. Um, so I've got to work more. I've always got to work more. Yeah. And I just feel like, yeah. And then you add that to not sleeping and all the other pressures. It just, it makes it so, yeah. It, I feel like it's very difficult to communicate under those circumstances. And, yeah. and like, as you know, like without communication, everything just falls apart. I think too, with that, I feel like you end up often communicating from a place of fear, which is where then the sort of like aggression and anger and yeah. You know fear what I mean? Or fear or frustration or, yeah. or, or just, yeah, straight up anger. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And that happens to Katie and I all the time. And yeah, like we, we get into pretty, we're both like quite fiery, stubborn people when it comes to the way we want to live our lives. Yeah. You know, I kind of, I feel like, in the community i come off as as quite a calm collected person um but at home i'm definitely not that person <laughs> yeah uh yeah what, just like what what helps like what helps for you yeah well it, it's definitely about it's it's about uh i think it is about finding me time or whatever you know whatever it is that kind of feeds you yeah that's not connected to work or your family. Um, yeah. Figuring out what that is and making time to do it is a huge one. Uh, I would say. I think as well, like having, and I love that you're doing the business. I mean, it's easy for an outsider to look in and, you know, see the homes that you build and, you know, you do such beautiful work and, you know, it just, it seems great and the freedom. And even as you talk about, I'm driving around in a truck kind of managing things. I love that. Like, I love that. <laughs> so, but I have a hundred percent being where you are in terms of the stress of the money, paying the taxes, putting money aside to pay the taxes, getting the next client coming through the door. That and having a family, I found really hard. I ended up with two jobs and eventually kind of quit the business so that I could have a stable job, which is not my passion, but it gave me benefits and it gets <laughs> you locked in. It's like being having the handcuffs on, but I was lucky enough to find somewhere where I guess I feel like I have purpose and there is a really understanding management managers who allow me to have a four-day work week and compress it. So I have a three-day work week. So not making as much money, but paying the bills, definitely. Um, well, and, and, and at least the money, the money's predictable, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that like takes that, a huge stress off. That's a huge, I feel like when you're running your own business, 
it's like I could always work harder and make more money. Do you have a five-year plan or have you thought, you know what? Because I went through this. Love mm-hmm. the business. I love the freedom. There's so many things that tick the boxes. But at the same time, with a family and having that regular income to take the stress off the relationship so that you can focus on the kids and all that kind of stuff and not missing out on a 14-day trip. Um, you know, yeah. have you thought totally. about just going downsizing in terms of not having five employees and or is this yeah i don't know what i don't know what i mean i feel like four or five people is is a good amount of employees like um and it's a matter of having the right people but yeah if if i get more you know if i kind of get the right people then i i could kind of step away a bit more and things could keep happening um and i guess that is kind of the goal but to be honest i don't I am pretty bad at at trying to uh, think about or plan for the future, as my wife will <laughs> uh, agree <laughs> agree strongly to. Yeah, it's just not my. I I get really passionate and and focused on on things, and and sometimes that that uh, makes it so I have a, a hard time kind of seeing the bigger picture. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that happens a lot. <laughs> well, you have a, I mean, you have a lot on your plate. There's no doubt. When you've got employees and you've got clients, the kind of, and you got, is it seasonal work at this point though? If you've got a warehouse to work in? No, yeah. So it's all, we stay, I keep everybody full time all year. Um, because yeah, we do have, we have a shop and I, mean, let's face it, the winters here aren't actually that bad. Yeah, they're pretty mild. They're pretty mild for sure. And yeah, like once we have a couple of houses framed up, then we're working inside. Like that's where the majority of the work takes place. Right. Um yeah, you know, it's it's a super full plate. And I, you know, and part of me feels like I'm I'm I don't know if it matters, but I'm a Gemini and I feel like I'm I'm pretty good at, at being a workaholic in a way. And like managing all that. Um, And I'm also like when, when I met my wife, we, I didn't do anything all day long ever. (laughs) Like I just, (laughs) I just like juggled on the beach for hours and, and slept in a hammock. And that was my life. Um, You're making up for it now. Yeah, I guess so. Hey, Uh, and I was pretty content with that, and I'm pretty content with my life now. Obviously, it's not good that I'm, I'm not going on canoe trips with my family. Like that's pretty horrible. Because um, yeah, the other thing is just how how quick it all does go by when your kids are little. Uh, it really it's it's such a cliche or whatever, but it's so true that it you blink and it's all over, kind of. I can be like you. I can be really mission focused and just get completely lost in whatever project I'm working on. And I think I've got better with child number two, but here you go. You learn a lot through the divorce when you go through a divorce. Yeah. So I'm, I'm better at checking myself now. And so we're not the best at it, but we're going to, we try now consciously to make time for each other, you know, right. and beyond yeah. just sitting on the couch, watching Netflix and things, because I just know, and I'm not in any way making comment on you, but I, I just know for me when I think about us, yeah, I think it's just, and honestly, Kirkland the other week, which his, his, 
episode has either come out already or it's going to be coming out after you. I'm not sure how it's going to lay out, but you know, as somebody who's looking back with three marriages, he's on his third. He said, he said the most important thing He's like, don't wait until the kids are older and then make time for you as a relationship. Do it now. He's like, get a babysitter, make it happen. Go, go and remember what brought you together and what created this beautiful family you have. Cause I do think I can get lost and forget that, that I'm guilty of it. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to make time. I mean, it's, yeah, it's one of, it's yeah, I'm I'm absolutely horrible at, at at making time, and I'm just so grateful again. And this is where I feel just like it's kind of pure luck that my wife is really good at at, at making time, and also really, um like special days or holidays really focusing on them and, and making them special oh that's awesome you know if it was just me like i don't know like easter they, my kids wouldn't even know what easter was probably. oh dude i'm 100 percent with you i've had to accept it because i don't like doing those big occasions if i'm honest right. so now i'm like okay it's easter i guess we've got to go through the whole and now I'm starting to see the fun in it, actually, with the Easter egg hunt and everything. Yeah, and just making, making uh, when there's an opportunity to make a moment special, just yeah. trying to trying to do that. Even if it's just having dinner and just taking a moment to say gr- your gratefuls or whatever it is. Um, it's just, I, yeah, I find with, with my work, it's it's all about being as efficient as possible and getting as much done as I possibly can during the day. And it is, it's pretty hard for me to, to shift gears uh, when I get home and I can see why people, you know, start drinking or, or smoking pot or whatever, just to, cause it, it is hard to otherwise naturally just to downshift. How do you get me time? How do you get like friend time, me time? Well, I, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely went years without getting, well, felt like I just didn't get any for years where it was just all about work and then going home and doing kind of family things and house chores. And I feel like I'm finally, you know, in the last couple of years, um, managed to, yeah, like create, create a bit of time for myself it's it's mostly uh through tennis i guess is my which right. is i i think i was around when when uh the beginning that you started that passion yeah i'm gonna call well, it a passion but it's yeah it's oh it's it's 100 it ready yeah it's a passion now and uh yeah so between tennis and birding like those are the two the two things that i feel like i do that are just or just for me yeah you know i used to like i said i used to hike a lot in the woods um and i i don't know i've i've tried doing that a bit and it, it does it does kind of feed me um but it's just i don't know i guess i i guess tennis is good because it's it's just pure it's just pure kind of fun and and when you're trying to do something i mean it's a yeah, it's a bit like rock climbing, probably when you're really into something. It's just a great distraction from all of your problems. Um, you're just focused on on the physical realm, which is something that humans just don't 
don't do as much these days as they used to, I think. But you've actually joined the tennis club. This is how serious this passion oh, has become, yeah. right? Oh, for sure. I, I, <laughs> yeah, and I've always thought as, of tennis as being kind of a, um, a prestigious, rich yeah. uh, sport in a way. But it's, you, you need like, you know, a $30 racket and some balls and some sneakers and you can go play for free down down by the lake or you know for like 150 bucks you can join the club like com- compared to a to lot wear, of do you have to wear full whites and make your hair nice <laughs> exactly yeah no it's it's quite it's quite free up there i i've even worn ladies shorts because i couldn't find my shorts as you do it's and, nelson uh, yeah and and they they seemed okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> and you did a, didn't you do a tournament as well and lose to a couple of grannies? Yeah, in my lady shorts, I think. Oh, nice. That's if you're going to lose, lose in style. Yeah, I mean that's that was humbling. <laughs> yeah, I mean I I I I suck at it, and I kind of suck at bird watching too. But it's it just both of those things. I just get so much pleasure out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah exactly anything to take your mind off of of work and and just the stresses of life i guess well we bought a trampoline for the kid well to say the kids um and uh i had i had to test it out before anybody got on it yeah i'm a little bit scared because we also just got a trampoline a couple oh, days you did. Ago. i saw that you sent me a picture yeah, yeah. uh and I'm I'm just scared. Like my my back, I'm just scared that my back will break. Um, yeah, it's probably the the most of all of the sports or activities that I've done around kids or just recently. It's the one that I know I, the kids can do a way better job than me because the knees can't take it. It's pretty. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot of energy it, output. It's a lot. Yeah, my kids are trying to learn how to do a flip already, and you know, of course, I. I had to brag and tell them that I could do a flip. And then they were like, well, are you going to show us? And, and I thought about it and they could tell that I was, you know, they know that my back recently kind of blew out and, uh, and they, (laughs) I was about to do it. and, And they were like, you know what, maybe you shouldn't actually. And so they, they, they helped convince me to, to not, Try. yeah that sounds like my seven-year-old now and you know what it's quite it's very humbling when your seven-year-old is starting to be able to do front flips and back flips and leaving daddy behind you started but, taking up skateboarding because of i took him, up right? skateboarding because of him but and i've not i've never looked back it's fantastic i mean i wear the pads and helmets and everything but i think for me it's it just make it keeps me young it keeps my mind young it keeps me as well really conscious of maintaining my fitness my stamina and avoiding oh, sure. so i can just hang out with them and do stuff so that i'm not yeah. you know dropping them off at the park and then coming home i really want to make the most of it yeah I, i'm lucky that asher uh he's he's decided that he loves tennis as well so it's it's kind of like a dad's fantasy come come true yeah it's awesome i mean when at any time you can find something you can both do together I even helped him with his math homework yesterday, but I have to admit he's going to leave me behind with that pretty quick as well. Well, here, um, yeah, here, here's something sad. My, my, yeah, eleven-year-old boy already has a better vocabulary than I do, um, which mostly just says a lot about me. 
<laughs> a good percentage of us are very privileged adults and we're you know we're able to raise pretty privileged kids i think um and i'm not saying obviously i'm super grateful for that um but yeah i just don't think that that all all parents are are able to to quite you know provide i mean i know when i was a kid uh you know there was a period where my mom and i when it was just the two of us we had like less than 20 dollars a week to spend on our groceries and you know if i wanted if i wanted to learn how to play the piano or something she couldn't just go get me a piano or or find a friend to let us borrow a piano uh, or a keyboard and and i just feel like in this community we're, we are quite we're all yeah there's just a lot of, of resources in this yeah. community it's a great place to raise kids. There's abundance of, um, yeah, resources. Totally. Sure. But we're also, I mean, yeah, there, there was obviously some um, awareness in trying to, trying to live in this community. But it's also luck, the fact that we were able to kind of pull it off, um, I think, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I feel like my kids are just like the most, the two most spoiled rotten children I can almost imagine. <laughs> but i don't like i don't yeah i don't necessarily mean that in purely a bad way but it's kind of like if i could imagine uh you know any any environment for a child that that would just be the most ideal environment i feel like i've we, we've almost been able to create that for them chickens don't you have chickens as well we yeah we live in like the mountains on the you know yeah. the end of a dead end private dirt road and our kids go to this like super privileged school where it's like out also just out, you know, in the woods. And um, yeah, they, any interest they show, we kind of help yeah, uh, make sure, that, make sure that they can, you know, feel it out. I think you just need to find a bit more time for you guys and you need to take a couple of days off work in the summer <laughs> to go canoeing. Oh Yeah. This this summer we're doing this the slow can, the river sure. or the lake, the lake. Oh, the lake. The river is yeah. good, but that way we'll spend a week and and do the whole camping from from north to south or whatever. So you're committed to doing these bigger trips, which is awesome. Or the family is, but yeah, you... and I, I I feel like I you know life is being set up in a way that uh, that I'll be able to do you know bigger trips. I, I have, there's a danger of me like fantasizing about doing trips with Asher, I guess, cause he's older. Yeah. Maybe because he's a boy. I don't know, but I, I should, I shouldn't, I should try to include June as well, but I, I fantasize on kind of taking them on pretty intense kind of hiking trips. But do you think sometimes, but like, what about just doing the short trips rather than miss out because you're working so hard and oh, what about the little like the evening trips down by the nelson lake with the canoe like do you get do you find yeah, time to do things like that we're well, yeah yeah not as much as we should <laughs> but no we, we do that a bit for sure um because the big yeah, trips are great don't get me wrong i'm really good at the little trips and the big yeah. trips don't get as much of that but we've the kids are younger so we'll, we'll get there but yeah, i really enjoy the sure. small little adventures it, 
it is all uh, yeah you're right at this point it, it is mostly about making the best of those those little outings um that kind of create create memories without taking up too much time <laughs> yeah i think so no my my wife is pretty good about about reminding me how soon my my kids won't really want much to do with me so oh now now's yeah now's the time yeah 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 for sure doesn't take long so hey listen if you could go back and get i know it's a big question but if you could go back and give yourself a piece of advice at the start of your journey as a parent what would you say yeah i mean it's kind of i guess what we were yeah just just talking about about how it's it really it is such a cliche but it does go by so quick and and i think it you know it it is one of the most amazing precious experiences of of being a human is to is to be able to have a child um and yeah just spend more time kind of staring into that baby's eyes and and trying to pause that moment um yeah because i yeah i know that i i didn't do it enough but i i was lucky like i said to have at least one of us was able to do that really well and i can see how that helped kind of mold our children into the the people they are now is is just having someone be really present um but it's just like almost the biggest gift you could give yourself as a parent and give them is, is just to be able to be present with them so hard to do these days like it's just and yeah again like if you can keep if you can figure out how to keep uh media out of your child's life um i really think you know i i've noticed it seeing um certain kids that that are exposed to a lot and and certain kids that aren't and and i just feel like you're you're not doing your kid uh, uh you're doing a kid a disservice by exposing them to too much media too early uh it's almost like giving them a drug in my opinion it's just so easy to turn on the computer or the tv or turn on give them a video game and again this is where we we were able to do it but it's we it was the luck of being able to have one parent be at home and and of course that's not a situation that that can that everybody can be in you may be yourself up on some you know the fact that you're not around all the time but that's enabled Katie mum to be at home all the time which actually is amazing you know, and that there aren't a lot of families that can manage that. Yeah, I mean, she's she's kind of sick and tired of it now, and ready to start a start a career in her mid forties, which is obviously a huge challenge. But it's not uncommon. I got to say, she's done what I think is the most important thing that humans can possibly do, and that's to create the next generation that is like a loving, caring generation that cares about our planet and cares about other people um yeah 100 percent. it's real. i really appreciate 
you being so open and upfront and honest too. It's real. I always like. No, I almost. I feel like I almost let you down. I feel like I wanted to be more open because it is. I for me, it's about like what I like to hear when I because I listen to podcasts quite like every day, pretty much. Oh yeah. And it is yeah, like hearing people's struggles is one thing that I find really helpful. <laughs> It's good to blurt things out. Maybe it's the American in me that doesn't mind blurting things out. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, it was really good, Blue. I appreciate you making this all happen. It's, it's awesome. Hey, man, let's be in touch. I'll speak to you okay. soon. Okay, take care. Okay, dude. Bye. And now for a check-in with my favorite psychologist and fellow dad, Todd Kettner. He's not on a boat, is he? Of course I am, man. Good to see you, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. Sounds okay? Sounds good. Yeah. That's okay, fantastic. Um, where in the world are you right now, Captain I'm just at the pre- Yeah, I'm just at the Prestige. So oh, nice. I'm just trying, to, yeah, just trying to find a nice place to set this phone so it's uh, stable. But uh, if That's it sounds great. good, we can do it. If the oh, sound yeah. gets a little wind- windy or something, I can uh, go down below and... Uh, no, it's, um, it's awesome. That's awesome. Well, good yeah. to see you. I'm glad you're enjoying the hot weather on a boat. Yeah, good to see you too. I see from Facebook that you're uh, out on the water with your kid and dadding in all the right places and all the right views. So, yeah, I'm excited to have another conversation here and check in. Um, and so I really wanted to check in about anger management because it's been, mm-hmm. coming, up, it's been coming up in various conversations in different ways. And I do feel it's something that a lot of dads, not to say that mums don't have those, those feelings and those emotions, but I feel like for a lot of dads, and it's obviously a podcast aimed at dads to support dads and help them share. Um, yeah, I'm wondering what the root of anger is. I guess that's my first question, because I feel sometimes for me, when I sometimes get frustrated in the moment, and I'm not talking anger as in I'm shouting, but I'm frustrated and, and it can happen to both me and my partner or my wife. Um, but sometimes it's an email that I got in the morning that's completely unrelated to the circumstances, but something's triggered it. And I'm wondering, mm-hmm. I'd be interested to understand um, if you've got anything to share on. Um, yeah, is that sometimes with anger, is that the root, is the important thing to acknowledge what the root cause is and look at that? Or, you know, is it this, because it seems to be surface sometimes and then there's, there's, there can be this deeper, yeah, this deeper thing that's going yeah. on. Sometimes you just don't realize. And yeah, what could you share? Sure. About? Well, I love, I love that uh, question, the way you phrased it, you know, and maybe I could sort of, you know, add a corollary to that question. What is the root of anger? Um, what is the root of love? What is the root of humanity? Right? So it, it, it's not you know, it's not one of those uh, dandelion weeds in the garden where you just pull out one big tap root, right? It's one of those kind of like things where you're out weeding the garden and you pull up a big root ball and it takes all the good soil with it, right? So um, I, I wonder and I'm curious whether um, if we start, you know, as individuals and as in our society thinking of the roots of anger and then the trunks of anger and then the leaves of anger, um, that might be a good metaphor for, you know, what's below the surface and, you know, we don't see unless we dig and look for it, what's, uh, visible, but not, you know, necessarily very pretty. It's just kind of solid, the trunk. And then what comes and goes is, 
you know, the leaves or the colors on a deciduous tree, right? The, the outward expressions of that. And I think, uh, you know, the research into anger is, is pretty clear that, that um, there's a number of different factors, right? It, it, it's, it's how we think, you know, angry thoughts, um, you know, so-and-so is a jerk and I can't believe that person, you know, your example, wrote that email and they didn't even sign their name. It was just kind of like blunt and rude. You know, so we have these angry thoughts. Um, we have emotions of anger. And anger is a bit of a catch-all, right? Because it can sometimes bleed into anxiety and fear. It can be, um, you know, what philosophers and, um, uh, you know, um, biblical writers even talk about righteous anger. Um, it can be frustration and it can just be rage, right? So the nuances of how we feel in anger are important. Then, of course, the angry behaviors, right? Like, um, it's one thing. <laughs> You've interviewed my brother, Greg, you know him. Uh, he and I grew up, grew up, he had this shorter fuse than me. And so uh, my, uh, uh, my game, as mean as it was, was to see how far I could push him before he'd explode. And when he exploded, um, I remember, and you can ask him about this next time you talk to my brother, the comedian, he threw a, like a, uh, a wooden uh, uh, semi truck that my dad had made as a wooden toy for us. He threw that across the room at my head. And of course I timed my duck just perfectly. So it made a great impact in the sheet rock. There's this big hole in the wall. And, you know, mom came in and said, what's going on? I said, I don't know. He just got mad and he threw this thing. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, um, you know, on a moral level is, is my anger or frustration at him knowing I can push his buttons and get him to behave in anger, is that any less morally culpable than the hole in the wall? Probably not. However, at times it really is, right? Like I can say, you know what? I just hate that guy. But when I punch him in the nose or whack him with a baseball bat, that's a whole different game, right? So back to, you know, um, you know, angry thoughts, you know, cognitions as it were angry feelings and emotions that are a range and a plethora and then angry behaviors i think it's really useful to start there um, and as we understand um, that we understand ourselves better we understand others better who who um, think um, feel and act in anger and we can have more compassion for them and that's a reflection of compassion for ourselves at those moments of anger. So, sorry, I got got all philosophical and wordy there. And no, you're I like that. To psychologist, but uh, you know, you're talking to a big brother who pisses off his little brother and makes him throw a truck. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So what's that? And I totally agree with what you're saying about like why it's just that consciousness of like your actions. But are there any simple techniques? Um, I mean, there's obvious things like, you know, take a deep breath, walk out of the room, take your 10 minutes, whatever you need, come back in and then try and have a conversation. I mean, that would be an obvious one. But are there any other little tips and tricks um, that might be useful? Well, can I just comment on the obviousness of that? Um, yeah. It's obvious to you. Um, and hopefully it's obvious to me because we kind of live and work in certain realms and we parent in certain ways. To a lot of people, that's not so obvious um, that if somebody makes me angry, then I'm going to, you know, give them the finger. Or I'm going to yell at them or I'm going to, you know, slash their tires or I'm going to, um, you know, say bad things about them behind their back. Right. And they deserved it. 
right? So um, what I like about that example you just gave is when we think about it, when we pause, then it's obvious. But until we think about it and pause, and the best time to do that is ahead of time, not in the moment of anger, it's no longer, um, it becomes obvious and it becomes simple by design, if not simple to implement, right? So it's a great example of this obvious um, um, thing you can do uh, to help manage angry behaviors. Um, and it's only simple if we think about it ahead of time. Like I got angry last time at, you know, at my brother or my wife or my kid or um, my boss. What am I going to do different next time? Oh, maybe I'll just take a breather and say, hey, honestly, I can't have this conversation right now. Um, it's just before lunchtime. I'm going to go grab a sandwich, walk, you know, walk along the lake shore as I'm sitting here. And when I come back, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be a better frame of mind to talk about this thorny issue. Right. So I got off track there, but coming back to some of the other things we can do, one of the biggest, I think, is recognizing the connection between um, how we think, how we feel, and how we behave. We too often go in critiquing ourselves and critiquing those around us for their angry behavior into, oh, they sh just shouldn't yell. Kids shouldn't swear at their parents. You know, people shouldn't uh, be mean to each other at work. You know, those, those are all true. And yet I think we're three or four steps ahead of ourselves. And that's why we often trip over our own feet when we're trying to manage anger because we haven't thought through, okay, how am I feeling? Is this a rage incident or is this an annoyance incident? And as I think about how I'm feeling, that allows me to pause to then um, titrate my behavioral, my verbal, my facial response, my actions to an appropriate level, right? Yeah. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I think for me, in my day-to-day -day life is taking time to just be mindful and like just to take a breath just about the day. So starting with mm. a morning routine and going for a dog walk, myself and Sage, we're going to go for a bike ride later to break the day up, to have a bit of work-life balance so that we have some us time and just, you know, sometimes rise above some of the challenges that are going on in life. And life can be crazy right now. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of sad news in the media and, you know, it, it can be a tough time. So for us, I think, yeah, particularly me, is like having that quiet time in the day just to sort of check in with my thoughts almost, you know, um, or maybe going sailing like yourself, being out on the water. But that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. Do you... Spot on. Yeah, go, go ahead. I was going to say, I've heard of, um, just to share, like if you have any knowledge about this, because it's something I've been hearing about is EMDR therapy, which, um, you know, just within the sort of work that myself and Sage do, and we've be kind of become aware of it. I haven't done it. Sage has sent, suggested to me that it would be worth doing just because I have had that traumatic experience of going through the court system for example, um, and why not, you know, like just take a chance and try something, you know, if we have benefits to cover it. Is there any therapy like EMDR? Like, do you know much about that? Is that something that would be recommended for people that may be thinking they would like to find a professional or even of course, a counselor, psychologist, you know, what are some of the therapies are out there? Let me unpack that question one at a time. And if I forget, circle me back at the end of this answer to the EMDR. Um, but I'll start a little more broadly at first. Um, can't remember if I said this on a previous 
podcast in conversation with you, Blue, but, uh, you know, the, the experience I had going to a psychologist the first time uh, in my 20s was kind of uncomfortable, right? Uh, that even though I was four or five years into grad school, I'd been a, you know, a, a student therapist under supervision for three or four years, you know, philosophically, you know, I thought, um, you know, working with someone can be helpful in a variety of situations. When I rode the elevator the first time to uh, Robert's office, um, I kind of looked around to see who might see me in this building, you know, in a city of hundreds of thousands. Of course, no one's going to be in the same elevator as me at the same time, but I was like kind of looking, looking around, you know, and then um, did that for the first couple of sessions. And then I stopped looking around, right? And, um, you know, uh, my family's uh, given me full thumbs up to share family experiences, uh, if and when appropriate to wider audiences to help reduce stigma. But, um, you know, I've gone back to Robert several times, uh, including around some anger parenting issues um, when my kids were little. Um, you know, my, my wife has met with counselors. We've met with a psychologist together about our relationship and talk about parenting things that were a sticking point for us as they are for many couples. And that's where we got frustrated with each other. And sometimes it was irritation and sometimes it was downright angry with each other, right? And we just didn't like how our differences of approach made us feel towards each other when, you know, on a values level, we were all in together and raising our kids, right? And then uh, each of my kids uh, at various times have uh, worked with a psychologist and uh, really benefited in kind of looking at things, including anger. And often anger is tied to other things like uh, fear or anxiety, or you alluded to this earlier, um, uh, traumatic experiences. And so, yeah, um, you know, I, I don't think people should go to therapy because it's fashionable or just to look cool to their neighbors or just to say to their, you know, uh, us men to say to our partners, um, yeah, I went and uh, he or she or they told me I was doing fine. So I'm just going to prove to you that <laughs> I can do this thing, right? But if there's a need and uh, uh, either really uh important uh, issue to be resolved or if it's just polishing off some irritations and uh, communication behaviors those are all great reasons to um you know invest in ourselves yeah i think that's a really good point and i do i yeah i really appreciate you being open to share that in terms of like taking the stigma out of it because i feel the same i still feel the same and i'm pretty open i do the podcast but when, and I haven't been for a while, but when I have been in the past uh, to one of the clinics in town, um, mm -hmm. I do exactly that. I kind of cruise in. Do I recognize any of the cars? Am I going to get in and out? Is there going to be an awkward waiting room, mo mo waiting room moment? Because somebody I know, even maybe a neighbor or somebody I, who knows somebody I know sees me in there. And then what are they going to say to their friends? And what's going to, but yeah, it's, it's such a healthy, when you feel the time is right, and I agree with that too, it's such a healthy thing to do. And I actually really enjoy the process. It, um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's good to have a check-in and have somebody else that mm -hmm. isn't your partner or isn't mm -hmm. your best mate who actually mm -hmm. can give you some really good sound advice from like a very different perspective who's not in your life, you know? So Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I truly believe that, you know, I'm a, I'm a better husband. I'm a better dad. I'm a better citizen and I like myself uh, more than I uh, would have if I hadn't sort of periodically 
you know, had a companion and, and coach along the way. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think that I probably appreciate how much of an impact it's had actually over the, t- over the times where I have gone to a professional in that way. Ah, uh, yeah. Blue, you, you raise a beautiful point there that, um, you know, the best therapy with, um, you know, the most skilled social workers, psychologists, psychiatrists, uh, 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 whoever it is, um, is just that we, we don't, the, the changes are internalized enough that we really don't notice them happening so much. They just become part of who we are in a good way. Yeah, that's great. Um, we didn't get to EMDR, but I think yeah. that, that's a great place to stop. And uh, okay. yeah, thanks so much for your feedback on that. I think there's a lot of people that will really appreciate uh, that knowledge that you've shared today. Would it be helpful for me to share a couple titles for uh, listeners who might want to go deeper into um, anger and some practical strategies? Yeah, I think that's great. Um, often, whether it's uh, you know the sailing book or the um, <laughs> um, iPhone book or whatever, you know the dummy series is great. So there's anger management for dummies uh, with a couple of psychologists, uh, Charles Elliott and Laura Smith. That's really based on uh, on good sound scientific principles. And then another title that I think is helpful for many is um, The Compassionate Mind Guide to Managing Your Anger. And that's by psychologist Russell Colts, K-O-L-T-S. That's awesome. And I'll put that in the, no- the show notes as well. I'll make sure that I mention it as well. That's awesome. Thanks so much, Todd. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed the show, please do share and subscribe and leave a rating or an even better, a review, wherever you listen to your podcast. Please find us on Facebook and Instagram at Dab Without Borders, and a full list of episodes can be found at dabwithoutborders.com. Thanks for supporting the show, and we'll see you next time.